a new song. Uh, but before I begin this message, let me say that Israel was known for those psalms of lament or complaint, those complaints that are honestly laid before God. Israel loved God enough, felt close enough to God to be able, in times of tragedy, to clench his fists and cry out to God to complain, to accuse, and to weep. Some may believe that Christians, we must always feel joy, must always have smiles on our faces. The Psalms, however, are about those who have much deeper and more honest experience of our relationship with God. These people in the Psalms know that there is no way always to be happy and joyful. Therefore, to say to believers in Jesus that if you have faith, you will always be filled with delight and joy is to place an intolerable burden on them. This life is too full of heartaches for us to expect somehow to bypass genuine grief. What honest speech does concerning pain does, whether it's emotional pain, sexual pain, or abuse of any kind, it's honestly expressed when pain has been thoroughly worked through. It is not totally forgotten, but it is remembered as powerless. Past pain can only become powerless as we speak honestly about it. As we bring it to speech, it is never forgotten, but it has no power over us. On the other hand, when pain is denied, when it is repressed, the pain is forgotten only to haunt us and affect us throughout our lives through neg negative forces or forms of behavior. Uh, let me begin then by asking the question, what is the function or role and intentions of the Psalms? In other words, what was the purpose of writing them? What was being done when the Psalms were being written? What, what we see in the Psalms are different voices at different situations and different circumstances. We see people in the Psalms at times praising God, full of joy. We see them thanking God. But at other times, we see them crying, lamenting, expressing their pain, their hurt to God, whose presence is absent or even indifferent to their pain and hurt. And I know we all felt like that. And we have to understand that these voices are people who believe, trust, and have faith in God just like us. Yet at times, these voices even doubt if God does exist since their pain has cast a shadow over God's presence. In Psalms uh, 10, 1, it says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide your face in time of trouble? As we read the life of these voices in the Psalms, we see their life as a movement, a movement from good times to bad times and back again to good times, just like our lives. Sometimes our life is good, sometimes it's bad, and then sometimes it's good again. We see that people desire to maintain some kind of balance in their life like us. We struggle and fight to maintain this peace in our lives, forgetting that peace, joy is a gift that is given to us and cannot be forced, since peace, joy is a gift of God. There are two movements in life that are important for us to understand. The first is that we are unwilling 
to let go of a world that has passed away. We, uh, we want to remain in the present or go back to the past. And the second is that we lack the ability to embrace a new world that God has given us. So we live, live in defeat or denial of the past. The Psalms in our experience of life includes these dangerous and difficult times when we feel that the sky is falling and our world is coming to an end. Maybe our marriage is falling apart, we lose job, bills are piling up. Many times life becomes so disoriented, so out of sorts, that we are driven to the extreme. That our emotions are expressed with angry, angry words or with a loss of words. But life is not meant to live in a situation of disorientation, where life is a mess. And when life is a mess, we tend to look back when life was good and stable. We grasp and we grab for the good old days, denying that they are gone. We want to hold on to the past, not realizing that God wants to do something new in the future. God wants to take us a little further. That's why I say that life is a movement, because God always wants to do something new in our lives. God wants to surprise us by doing something new. Faith is an adventure. Marriage is an adventure. But it is only as we abandon the old orientation, those good old days, that God can do something new and let go of the past. So I will propose that the words orientation, disorientation, and reorientation in that order is a helpful way to understand the use and function and the purpose of the Psalms. I'll repeat that again. So I will propose that the words orientation, disorientation, and reorientation in that order is a helpful way to understand the use and function of the Psalms. To give you a picture, an example of these words, all we need to do is look at the life of Job. In the first part of chapter 1, Job is living a good life. Uh, life is orientated. Uh, it is not a mess. As an example, family has a good car, a good used car. Husband has a good job, paying $18 an hour. Husband is vacuuming the carpet, dusting the furniture, making breakfast for his wife, mowing the lawn, telling his wife, how much he loves us, sounds like me. <laughs> the kids are behaving most of the time. The toilet paper is on right, and the toilet seat is down. The marriage is on track, with the wife cooking it up in the kitchen and cooking it up in the bedroom. If our pastor was here, he would know exactly what I'm talking about. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, and maybe cinco. Because when Pastor came back from Africa, he said that he made it love to his wife for one hour. When you make love to your wife for one hour, something has to come out.
But at the end of chapter 1, let's get back to the story here. At the end of chapter 1 to chapter 41, Job's life is a mess. His life is disorientated. An example of this is everything is falling apart. The husband is acting stupid. The husband totals the cars. The husband is jumping off of balconies. Bills are piling up. Mortgage is overdue. Husband and kids don't want to come to church. And his wife, she ain't cooking in the kitchen, and she sure ain't cooking in the bedroom. And it is only at the end of chapter 42, verse 12, that we see Job's life put back together again. His life is reorientated. The Lord blessed him more than at the beginning, except for the new wife. But by reorientated, it doesn't mean that his life was put back together like it was at the beginning, as in the orientated stage, because reorientation means as Job 42, 12 says, that God blessed Job more at the end of his life than at the beginning of his life. More goats, more cows, but he had to experience pain from chapter 2 to 42. This is what I mean when I say that God does something new when God reorientates our life. As we submit to God and see God's presence as Job did in 42, 5. God doesn't take us back to the past where times were good. But he takes us to the future where life is better and better. Better marriage, better job, better everything. All we need to do is submit. So let me begin by explaining the Psalms of orientation, the good old days. In these Psalms of orientation, there is no great movement. Since there is no tension to resolve. Life is smooth with no crisis and no trouble, just like the beginning of Joe's life. His kids, wife, husband behaving, no one jumping off the balcony. Everything is going smooth. In this situation, life is good, orderly, and reliable. No great problems in marriage or anything else. The Psalms of orientation can best be represented by Psalms 104, where it speaks of creation looking to God to give them their food. And where all creation is filled with good things, as it says in, as it says in Psalm 104, 27 to 28. Life is smooth with no bumps. These psalms speak about when life is being enjoyed and appreciated. Now on the other hand, or opposite side of the, are the psalms of disorientation. This is when the old orientation, the good old life we were once living, collapses. Kids, wife, are misbehaving. Husband is acting stupid. These psalms of disorientation remember better times, as in Psalm 42, 4, where it says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the crowd and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and th songs of thanksgiving. Here, there is a desire to return to that place of harmony to the good old days. Other psalms are heavy in anger and resentment toward the one who has caused this disorientation, whether it's God's enemies or spouse, as in Psalm 88, verses 6 through 8 and 14 through 16. It says, You have put me in the depths of the pit. 
in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. The mood of the speaker in these psalms leave us with the impression that the old orientation, these good old days, can be retrievable, that those good old days can be recovered. If one is familiar with the psalms, one will notice that the psalms move from petition, plea, to praise. The psalms always end up in praise like Psalm 150. But we also notice that the psalms are a complaint, a protest and not just a lament that gives up on life. Even in these psalms of disorientation, there is an expectation, an insistence that God can move to make things better. So they protest that God may move in their lives. Even in these psalms, there is a turning away from desiring the good old days. since It recognizes that those days are gone and cannot be recovered. So the speakers in these psalms are ready for a new orientation in the future, a better future. There is a turn from returning to the past to an anticipation of something new in the future. And this movement speaks a firm resolve to look in a new direction, to a future direction, not to the past. But we have to understand that this anticipation for something new in the future cannot happen without the painful part of remembering the past. We don't deny the past but we move on to the future. The third one is the Psalms of Reorientation. These Psalms speak of surprise and wonder, miracle and amazement. They speak of a new reorientation, a new reorientation where there was no hope to expect. We could call these Psalms, Psalms of Surprise, where God surprises us with something new every morning. For this reason, these Psalms this re new reorientation, this new circumstances is a reason for celebration and praise. Because when a reversal from bad to good has come into one's life, where there must be a celebration. When one has been out, brought out of the pig pen, a celebration has to take place as in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. One has to celebrate when one is taken out of bondage. An example of Psalms of reorientation is uh, Psalms 40, verses 1 to 3 and verse 5, where it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And in verse 5, it says, You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wonder, wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell them, there would be more than I could count. In this, in this psalm, people have discovered that the old world of orientation and the painful world of disorientation has come to an end. And a new world, a reorientation, a new creation is now given. Something new is given more than was expected. Also, and this is very important to know, there are many Christians that have always lived a good life. A, 
a, a life of orientation, a life of stability and harmony. And when one is used to living a good life that is stable, both financially and healthy, one cannot so easily receive the pain that comes when their lives become disorientated and unstable. They lose jobs, sick, bad marriage, death and family. And the reason for this is because the orientated life, the stable life, cannot understand the pain that the disorientated life contained because they never experienced it. Psalms, the disorientation such as Psalms 88 that we just read are voices of surprise, shock, and disappointment. For the speaker never expected this to happen to them. Psalms 88 could be people who are accustomed to sounds of orientation to a smooth life without a disruption. Voices in Psalm 88 could be people who suddenly discover themselves trapped with the water rising in their lives, believing that the sun may not come up tomorrow, so they feel betrayed, just like Job felt betrayed. They feel betrayed and they don't like it. And when people feel betrayed from a God that has always been good to them, they start acting like caged people, trying to get familiar with the bad situation they're in. They begin to feel the walls for a break, searching in the dark for hidden weapons of anger and hate and looking for those who did them wrong, like many of us. We blame others for a bad situation. We blame our spouse. Also, when one reads Psalms 145 and others like it, where we hear the speaker say, as in Psalm 45, 2, that every day I will bless you. And in verse 5, I will speak of the glorious honor of your majesty. And in verse 9, where the speaker says, the Lord is good to all. And in verse 20, where the speaker says, the Lord preserves all them that love him. When we compare this song with Psalm 88, where the speaker says in Psalm 88, 4 to 5, I am counted with them that go down to the pit, like the slain that go down to the grave, who you remember no more. Or in verse 7 and verse 16, where the speaker says, thy wrath lies hard upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your anger, your fierce wrath is over me, and your terror has cut me off. When we read these two psalms together, Psalm 88 and Psalm 145, and see that in one moment, the speaker is praising God for his faithfulness, as in Psalm 145, and the next moment, the speaker is accusing God in Psalm 88 for his lack of faithfulness, it is most likely that the speaker praising God in 145 is the same speaker accusing God in Psalm 88. But in a radically new circumstances that they never had experienced. Same speaker in both Psalms. One praising God, the other one cursing God. In other words, when someone, for the most part, has only experienced a problem-free life, with only minor difficulties and problems, and all of a sudden, they find their world falling apart, and they feel themselves sinking deeper and deeper into a pit, as in the person in Psalm 88, and in their darkness, they feel that God has abandoned them. So instead of praising God, whether in good times or in bad times, 
these same voices in Psalm 144, now in Psalm 88, speak venom. They speak hate against God, enemy, spouse, and everyone else. Venom and, and hate, they did not know they had in their bodies or in their tongues. We don't know what's inside of us. And I have to confess that there has been a few times in my life as a Christian where I, for a moment, found myself praising the Lord for his goodness, as in Psalm 145, only to find myself accusing and cursing God in time of trouble. When I found my world falling apart and found myself in a dark pit, as in Psalm 88. All you need to do is ask my wife. But again, don't ask her. <coughs> I found out that I, when I rely too much on well-being, when I rely too much on the security that life gives me, even the security and faithfulness that God promises and gives me, when I get too comfortable in the security that this world offers and the security that God gives me, and all of a sudden trouble penetrates my well-being, my world, that I thought I was secure by the promises and goodness of God, it is in these moments of trouble that the beast that is in us is a permitted an appearance. All you, I know Pastor Chela's not here, but she knows what I'm talking about. And I know that Pastor Greg knows what I'm talking about when I talk about the beast. And again, I confess, again, I have experienced this beast as a Christian by making appear in my life. In time of trouble, all the juices flow and the animal is loose. The animal of anger, the animal of hate, of revenge. When, I when, my, when our secure world is penetrated, we discover that we can also be a beast. We discover that we are not the king of the jungle, as Psalms 37, 3, 5 says, but a beast full of venom, accusing and cursing God. We beat our spouse, reject our kids, kick our dog. That's the beast in us. And let me get back to the function and purpose of the Psalms. The Psalms, by giving us a picture of good times, as in Psalm 145, and a picture of our beastly side in Psalm 88, these Psalms and others like them help us and allow us to dismantle and reject the old systems or orientations of well-being of good times that we are accustomed to by also accepting and trusting God. When, the, when those dark realities of life creep into our secure world that we're in, it is only as we honestly embrace our helplessness that the message of Jesus can be heard, that I am with you always, whether it's in good times or in bad times. And his presence be felt until the idols and the beast in us have been exposed and acknowledged, there will be no hope for the truth of the gospel to penetrate our lives. New joy and celebration can only come as we lose and die to our frail and imagined securities. The only security we have is the presence of Jesus, and that's all we need. These Psalms also reveal that this dismantling of our old orientation, of our old securities, have to be complete. Because without a total dismantling 
of these idols of security and well-being, we will build and construct new idols in our lives. We can make God into the idol of security. What God wants to do is put a new song in our life, as Psalms 33, 3 says, as Revelation 14, 3 says. God wants to sing a new song of a new reality, of a new creation, of a new harmony, and a new trust. A new trust in God in good times or in bad times. And these songs can only come out of a life that is surprised by God's love and compassion every morning as our life is renewed by this new reality, this new reorientation. These new songs tell us that we don't have to live in Psalm 88, accusing and cursing God or our spouse in times of trouble. These new songs tell us that the, those deep waters will not drown us and the pit cannot hold us. And even if the sky has fallen in our lives, now it is a cure by the presence of Jesus. Our world might have ended, but now it has begun again. Now we could sing a new song no matter the situation. Now we can look back and say that God's work has been done in our lives. The unmasking of our lives has run its course. When our lives are shaken from his deception and scattered from his phoniness. Only then can we sing a new song that takes us out of our phoniness. This is what I mean when I said that our lives moves from orientation, when our life is moving well with very few problems, but then at some point in our life, our life becomes disorientated. Our life is a mess. So we curse God, we curse others for our disorientated life. We find ourselves in Psalm 88 accusing God for the mess we're in. A bad marriage, sick or broke. But we don't stay in our mess because as we admit and let go of our old world of orientation, the world we thought we were secure in, only when we let go of the past are we ready to embrace a new world of reorientation, a new life where we could sing a new song even in a bad situation knowing that God wants to take us further. He wants to take us to the future. When we're locked in or locked up in a disorientated life, in this painful situation, we have the tendency of looking back to the good old days when life was good. We look back and yearn for those times when our life was orientated as a young child when everything was secure. But, but what praise does, what a new song in our lips does, is that we begin to look forward. We begin to look forward not to the old, orientation but to a new reorientation to something new and something better than the old orientation now we have hope because a new song has erupted in our lives and has shattered our old securities we depended on now we could receive God's new gift with gratitude and a new song in our heart no matter what comes our way but we have to remember as we move into this new song that moves us into the, this reorientated life, we never forget the pain and anguish of the life of disorientation. We never forget the pain of the past because life is a movement, because life with all its tragedies has a power to move us back to a disorientated life. 
back to a bad marriage, back to a thing where the beast makes a disappearance again. But instead of accusing and cursing God in our bad situation, we have learned by past experience to praise God with a new song. With anticipation that God could make something new again. God can create a new world for us once again. Also, we are not fully present in a bad situation of disorientation until it is brought to speech. Unless we voice it as in Psalm 88. In other words, we could be in a bad situation but deny it. Or accept it through self-deception. Because until the reality of the pit we are in is spoken about, with all our hatred of our enemies and our mistrust of God and our desire for the good old days, until all this is brought to speech, as in Psalm 88, it is most, more likely that we will stay in that old dysfunctional situation that is powerless. We have to bring it to speech and not deny it or hide it. And in a bad situation, we don't have to desire the good old days because God wants to bring us into something new like God did to Job. Honest speech permits us to move beyond the old, the good orientation stage and the bad disorientation stage into the new reorientation stage with a new future in sight. When we begin to sing a new song in a bad situation, we begin to call and form a new reality in our lives that did not exist. We declare to speak something new in our lives. A new song not only sings about what God could give, but also calls it into existence and forms this new reality that God is ready to create. Songs create something new in their lives. It creates a new atmosphere. It creates joy. It creates peace. It creates freedom, and it creates a new trust. Because when I have a new song on my lips, I don't want to go back to that old safe world I was in, where I make God into an idol of security. I don't want to move into a new, I want, I want to move into a new world and not return to the old world where my security in God even became an idol. I don't want to hold on to my old security in God. I want to bury these old securities. They sing a new song that creates a new horizon, a new world, and a new trust in God where everything old has faded and in my, in my life, and I see a glimpse of God's new horizon, of God's new world. And that's what a new song in our lips does in a bad situation. In Revelation 14, 2 to 3, there is a new song being sung. And this song is about a new king in verse 7. But it is also about the death of Babylon in verse 8. That city of death, that disorientated life that needs to be destroyed. This new song not only creates a new world, but also destroys the old world. So that's why we have to continue to sing these new songs. That's that we may come into God's new world where there is freedom and joy that we have yet to experience. So when you're having a bad marriage, where your finances are dwindling, when your kids are going astray, when you can't pay your rent, when your health is in need of a physician, 
when your husband is jumping off the balcony, when your wife ain't cooking in the kitchen or cooking in the bedroom, when you begin to sing a new song, you will hear those eggs sizzling again. You will smell the aroma of bacon coming out of the bedroom and enticing you to come. That's what happens when you sing a new song in a bad situation. Toby. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, everybody stand here with me here tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and bow your heads with me. Come on, just begin to worship God here tonight. Hallelujah. Let every word that Pastor Paul was talking about begin to sink in, begin to touch you exactly where you're at tonight. Because how many know that everything that Pastor Paul was talking about, I believe that we've all experienced it at once. You might even be experiencing it right now. How many know that when we go through things, hello, how many know we go through things, right? Whether you're saved, you may be here tonight, maybe you're not even saved tonight. We still go through things. And there's those times when we begin to go through those things like Pastor Paul was talking about when the car is not running, the kids ain't acting right, the wife, the husband isn't acting right, we have health.